Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monorail Radio, episode number 54. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. So nice, they did it twice. High School Musical 2. I think it became a foregone conclusion after the success that was High School Musical 1 that naturally a second one was coming. Yeah, but there's another parallel to Greece in that they just should have stopped after the first one. We haven't... You're, you're jumping the gun here. We haven't given our review yet. Anybody that has actually watched this movie probably did not have to wait for our opinion. Yeah, really. I spoiled nothing. I think the most disappointing part about this is that they threw like another $2 million into the budget. And you would think that maybe they would clean up certain things that they left sloppy in the first. Like Uh, the continuity. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Oh, boy. <laughs> I I would imagine that most of that money went into their salaries, though. Probably, because at this point, they're all like megastars from the first one. I know. Oh, boy. And I didn't know the plot of this one initially. We'll get into it in just a minute. But in many ways, this one hit a little too close to home for me. So if I have any saltiness at all, I'll get into it when we start breaking down the plot. But uh, that was like a cold splash of water for so many reasons watching this movie. Yeah, I had seen it only once a long time ago. Um, You know, we talked last week about our introduction to the first high school musical and how we both got into that. So I kind of jumped on the bandwagon and I was like, all right, let me see what the other two are about. And I completely forgot about it. So sorry you didn't have a fair warning. Now, I have not seen up until this week. I hadn't seen this one. I still haven't seen the third one, so don't spoil anything for me. I just hope the third one is better than this. I know we usually hold this until the end of the episode, and I will give you my final, final synopsis at the end of the episode, but I think part of what disappointed me so much about this movie was that I didn't walk into the first film thinking that I was really going to enjoy it very much. I thought... I'm I'm too old for this. I'm past this. I'll I'll understand where a child would like it, but no, it was actually for its warts, it was a really good movie. That's exactly it. Is the first time I had watched it, I was expecting it to be super cheesy and it is and the more I watched the first high school musical, I I guess now being so far removed from it, um, the more I enjoy it. Like when you just kind of take away the high school experience and stop comparing it to reality and watch it for what it is. The film is cute and I like the message it sends. Uh, this one reminds me of all of my low expectations of the first one. Yeah, except it actually paid off on the low expectations. Yeah. Um, it feels a little bit disjointed to be doing it now because the whole reason we started with the high school musical trilogy was because we figured we'll do like a little back to school theme. And this one starts at the beginning of summer and summer is coming quickly to an end for us here. So it's already got that against it. True. Well, with all that being said, now that we know exactly when the movie is going to start, why don't we get the plot here of high school musical two? All right, so the Wildcats are ready for summer vacation, and while for most of them that means finding a job for Sharpay and Ryan Evans, it means relaxation by the pool at their fabulous country club. However, it's not all fun and games. Just like at school, Sharpay and Ryan are well known for their performances, and they are planning a musical number which will win them another trophy at the Lava Springs Talent Show. Though she doesn't have a job, Sharpay is working overtime trying to destroy Troy and Gabriella's relationship. With the help of Fulton, the club manager, Sharpay gets Troy a summer job, and in turn, Troy brings in Gabriella and the rest of the Wildcats so they can team build in the offseason. Though they are very busy, Troy does his best to see Gabriella during their downtime, making use of the club's amenities. Of course, this doesn't sit well with Sharpay, so she uses her family's status to lure Troy into her lifestyle, preying on his fears over the future. 
Troy goes from waiter to golf caddy to honorary club member driving a wedge between himself and the Wildcats and ruining his relationship with Gabriella. Ryan is tired of standing in Sharpay's shadow and is sick of her playing puppet master with his classmates, so he decides to do the talent show with the staff instead, which is fine with Sharpay because now she can have her duet with Troy. However, Troy realizes how much he has changed and doesn't like who he is turning into and refuses to perform with Sharpay. Troy returns to his job as a waiter and makes things right with the team. Chad tells Troy what they have been working on in his absence along with Ryan, and they all feel bad for Sharpay for ruining her number. Troy decides to go sing and is surprised that instead of Sharpay, he is performing a duet with Gabriella and everyone joins in the show. The talent show trophy is given to Sharpay, who didn't actually perform, and she passes it along to her brother for his direction. Troy promises Gabriella he'll try not to worry about the future so much and focus on right now, and then the Wildcats get to use the member pool for one last song and dance. Yeah, so that's the plot of that movie. This is probably the quickest plot we've ever had on this show because the fact is there's not much of a plot here. It's very cookie cutter, and a lot of what happens happens out of pure convenience, and it really doesn't make a lot of sense in so many ways. And I I will preface it with this. This goes more from my bias against a lot of what happens because I spent 17 years working in private clubs, although I will tell you everything that is wrong with this movie from the standpoint of how a club operates. It's, it's just so bland. A lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think structurally, my guess would be that they wrote all of the musical numbers first and then kind of loosely wove a story for lack of a better word, I don't even really want to call it a story through this because I feel like this film was more focused on the scenery and trying to take advantage of the aesthetic as opposed to actually telling the story. It it felt like a music video, really. So here's my big issue with this is regression, starting with Sharpay. We finished the end of High School Musical yep. 1 with we're all in this together and she tells Zeke how good his cookies are and he's going to make her a creme brulee and it looks like she's turned a new leaf. She's embraced the fact that she's going to be the understudy to Gabby and you think that the new Sharpay has arrived and somehow all of that was lost between the second uh between the first film and the second film but we're not even going to talk about the year or two in between the release of the two movies this was a winter musical that they were doing in the first film now you're at the end of the school year so for all intents and purposes over the course of anywhere between three to five months you have somehow forgotten everything you learned. You've turned your back on your new friends. And for what? The convenience of making the second movie work. You just hit the nail on the head right there because it's not like this even happened over the course of a summer where, you know, she kind of got set back in her old ways, which you could easily see now returning to this lifestyle that she's used to where she thinks who she is, where you'd return to school that way. But no, the, you're you're talking about from winter to summer. And we know that she kind of has a little thing for Troy. You saw it in the first movie, but as soon as she says the line that anything's possible over the summer, and she's like, Sharpay and Troy, Troy and Sharpay, you know exactly where this film is going. It became incredibly predictable within the first three minutes. The other thing is... We obviously know that she's a drama queen and she's very used to getting our, her way. But where did we make the jump to like full on diva? I mean, I guess we're getting her backstory. We see that she's got this sense of entitlement because the family is very wealthy. She's used to being waited on. And in a very small throwaway line, they say that her father owns the club. So it's not just that they're members of the country club. Her father owns the club slash has some pull with the college because he's on the board slash has a helicopter slash design the club. It's it is very all over the place. It's very obscure as to what he does. But basically her father has money 
and she's just using that to her advantage the whole time. I wouldn't say that she wasn't a diva in the first movie. I think she absolutely was. But she goes from being a diva to being a spoiled brat. Yeah. I she's more of a brat in this film than she was in the in the original movie. And I think that's what I'm talking about where they did everything for the sake of the musical numbers because I think Fabulous is a fitting song for her, but I really feel like it dragged the character down with it. Here's the thing. I don't think we needed this much backstory on Sharpay. No. And instead, the the characters that you do, you don't get it. Like, I had mentioned in last week's review that, like, you know, why does Gabby like to sing, but she has this almost crippling stage fright? And we don't know where her father is. So a little bit more backstory to get some of those questions answered would have been would have been nice. Also, as to why Troy's parents can barely afford college and they live in a mini mansion. That I would be more interested in knowing. Right. Um, like give somebody a gambling problem or something. Yeah. I mean, we, we pick off or uh, we pick up with Miss Darbus. She's at it again. Picking up exactly where she left off. I will say that I like in the opening scene when the kids are counting down to summer how the clock on the wall behind Miss Darvis gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's a fun little touch. The only thing that disappoints me is the way that that number builds and they're all going summer, summer, summer. I half expect expect them to break out into after today it reminds me so much of goofy movie and that song is so much better yeah i did like the twinkle town musical poster on the wall with troy and gabby's photographs on it it's uh, the movie didn't do everything bad it just did most things bad yeah i mean it's Starting with the plot. <laughs> That's the thing. That's exactly what I was going to say is that it's going to be very hard to find redeeming qualities because the plot is just so loose. There is not a lot to latch on to here. Yeah. So let's let's let we're not going to lose sight of where the mayhem comes from here. And it's that Sharpay wants Troy to get hired at her country club so she can spend the entire summer, oh, I don't know, seducing him, bribing him, whatever it is you think she's going to do because she sort of alludes to the fact that she's going to do all of it. And she tells Fulton, get him a job here no matter what it takes. So this guy takes that as, well, I have to hire all of his friends. So literally, the entire East High gets a job at this country club. I will say that the lifeguard twist, I thought it was great. Because the whole time, where they're saying, oh, the new lifeguard, you know Troy's gotten a job there. So I'm thinking, oh, she gets to look at Troy without his shirt on. We know that Efron's buff. And I'm thinking that's the twist. No, he gets brought on as kitchen help. And Fulton hires Gabby to be the lifeguard. The one person who's literally going to stand over Sharpay the entire summer. That little twist I liked. Yeah, that that definitely worked to move the story forward. But there's so many things that bother me about that whole setup. I mean, yes, that part works for the story, but like... Troy's priority number one and he's so focused on I need this job my parents are pinching their pennies for college I need this to look good on my application blah 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 he's so worried about it and the first thing that he does when he gets the call which I don't even know if he applied he talked about sending out applications but obviously Sharpay is orchestrating this whole thing so it feels like he got the call out of the blue to go work at this club he did I think they said that they had a steady stream or steady resource of high school kids that they reached out to. It was something that never would have happened. Of course, he's not supposed to tell Troy, Fulton this is, oh, Sharpay told me to hire you. So he comes up with some dumb lie that nobody would actually 
believe because it, it just doesn't make any sense that somehow you got his name and you reached out to him on a blind and offered him a job. Right. And to even dial that back a little bit, um, Taylor was talking about applying for a summer job and they're like, oh, they're giving them to all the college kids already. Well, maybe that's because you waited until the literal last day of school to start applying. If you need a summer job, you got to be on that on like March, April, the latest. Well, not to mention there were plenty of jobs that look for seasonal help. Right. I never had a job or I'm sorry, I never had a problem finding a job in high school. I've never had a problem finding a job in my adult life. Right. How none of these kids from this high school, literally none of them, because it's basically the entire cast that gets hired at the exact same time to start on the exact same day to do jobs that none of them are qualified for. Exactly. Makes absolutely zero sense. But you had to somehow make this movie work and you did it by being lazy. That's exactly the point that I was starting to make is that Troy finally lands that job that everybody needs, that he really needs. And his first order of business is to A, get his girlfriend hired and B, the rest of the team. Like... First of all, you don't really do that unless you are asked if you know anybody else that would be qualified for the job. His whole thing was, I'm not going to come and work there unless all of my friends get hired. Like, no one would ever be able to pull that off. And that's the thing. Like, this didn't even work when Saved by the Bell tried to do it over the summer where they were all working at the country club. And that was only six people. It kind of worked because they all did have a qualification for what they were doing and you know it was a fun couple of episodes but it wasn't that far of a reach this is absolutely ridiculous and yes to your point too these are kids half of them can't even drive yet and they're having them work almost the entire kitchen it would never happen in a private club it would never happen in in a in any restaurant. Right. No kid would be a pastry chef, a sous chef, dishwasher, yes. Busboy, yes. Barback, yes. Hostess, yes. Not even first time waiter though. No. No, not at a club. Not at a club. You'd have to have some sort of experience, not to mention these kids are in high school. They're not through senior year. They're not over the age of 18. So no one's going to hire them as a waiter because they can't serve alcohol. alcohol yeah. The only one who's plausible is Kelsey because Sharpay literally hands her the job and says, we need a pianist. She's the only one. And Troy, because he was on the golf team, to Caddy, yes. Sure. That makes sense. Gabby just gets a job as a lifeguard? No. There's a certification you need to get for that. You can't just walk into it. Chad becoming a caddy for the day? No. If you don't know the game of golf, if you don't know the rules, you can't just do that. Again, there are classes that you have to go to. It's just, this movie is entirely sloppy. You know you what? You can't make a movie about kids working at a country club if you don't know how to work at a country club. Right. And then the whole thing with the talent show, is it for members? Is it for staff? Oh, well, it's for both. That's completely contrived. And I was trying to think all week of what else they could have done to set it up so that these kids would have maybe been able to pull off working together where it wouldn't have seemed so forced. And it only dawned on me now as you were saying you know how this could never really happen it would have made so much more sense if they did this at a summer camp and they all had jobs and it was like a musical theater summer camp because even then it would be plausible where you could make Sharpay and Ryan work because they're like teaching the kids theater then yeah there's a pool where Gabby's the lifeguard and Troy's a counselor or whatever then there's a role for each of them but like I don't know where, 
if you wanted to do this over the summer, fine, because then that sets up High School Musical 3 senior year. So you do need that bridge. I don't think it would have worked if this all took place in the same school year. But if you wanted to do something over the summer, this this was just all wrong. The job was all wrong. The job was all wrong, and the way they set it up is all wrong. Because the drama of this film comes from Troy is changing. Why is Troy changing? Because he's trying to get a college scholarship, which nobody should be mad at. Nobody. Right. He's trying to get on the college basketball team. Nobody should be mad at him for that. I understand they're mad because he worked his way up the chain very quickly. Also, he would never become the assistant golf pro. Would not happen. 16, 17-year-old kid does not become the assistant golf pro. Right. And give lessons. Doesn't happen. And I mean, you could even make the argument that they're catering to Sharpay and it has to be her way and she has to be given exactly what she wants, but there's got to be a line drawn somewhere. No club would operate this way. Well... Well, with the members running things, despite how uh, how management needs them to run, there are a few. Let me change what I just said. <laughs> no club worth its name would operate this way. It's not to say none do. Just most of them don't. The ones that do operate this way are a three ring circus. Believe me, I know from experience. But, but with all of that being said, the drama should not have been around Sharpay and her moves on Troy. If you want to develop a story where Troy is becoming selfish and he's changing, first off, don't be mad at him for trying to get scholarships. Don't be mad at him for trying to get on the basketball team. That's totally contrived. And it's way too convenient. You want to make the case for he is no longer making time for his friends or for Gabby because he is spending too much time at his summer job because now he's made a new clique of friends. That's natural drama. And it's real. And everybody deals with it. If you had them all working in different places, Gabby's at the mall and Taylor's at the ice cream parlor and Chad's at the bowling alley. And Troy is a caddy at the golf course. You want to do that? Fine. The whole notion that you have to put them all together so that they are together in the same place, at the same time, at the same job, and build drama around that, it works with what you just mentioned. They did it in meatballs. They did it in heavyweights, although that was really more about the kids attending the camp than it was the counselors, but they weaved storylines in there. The way they did it here made absolutely no sense. Well, here's the thing. And it was drama for drama's sake. But it's not for the drama. It's for the musical, or musicale, should I say. We're missing that this time around. No, we're not. But you have to have them all in the same place so that they can break out into song. That's why I'm suggesting the summer camp idea. And that's why the story is so poor is because you have to have them all together. It's completely forced. And that's, you know, you you bring up the drama with Troy and you're right. The drama is around him and Sharpay. That's where this would also be more believable because Gabriella gets mad, at him, which she wasn't mad until stupid Taylor, that life runer, yep, said that she again. should be mad. Yeah. Gabriella appreciates that Troy is concerned about the future and that he's trying to make money and trying to get a scholarship and trying to impress these people who can help him get where he wants to go. But she shouldn't be mad because she's she has, you know, she's working at the same place as him. So she understands the hours that he's putting in and she sees what he's doing. It's not like that's where their storyline falls apart because it's not like he's blowing off dates and she has no idea where he is. Like, you're still cleaning up the pool at night and he's apologizing to you for getting out late. You're not even out of work either. Right. So that that just really made no sense. And there would have been a lot more conflict if, like you said, if they were all in different places for argument's sake and he was starting to get caught up with the lifestyle and these wealthy people and that's why she felt put out. Yeah. It drives me crazy that Sharpay's family 
has their photo on the wall at the club next to the trophy case. Trophy cases at clubs are for club champions, golf champions, tennis champions. By the way, this is less of a club and more of a resort. Between bas- first off, there are no ba- why there are basketball courts and basketball hoops everywhere. I don't understand. The same ones from the first one, though. Yeah, They're no, not even attached to the ground. I know. There's that. There's a yoga studio. Th- like These amenities don't exist unless it is really a resort. That's the thing, though. They kind of use it interchangeably. You're exactly right, because there is golf, there is yoga, there is dinners, but they do keep calling them members. And I guess that's why you have to have that distinction, because otherwise... Why would everyone keep getting in trouble for using the member facilities? Oh, wait, they don't. Because Troy and Gabriella get caught three times doing things that they're not supposed to, whether they're on the golf course and the members pool or whatever, they should have been fired every single time. No one would be allowed to get away with what they got away with. Like Caddyshack. That's a movie that did it right. You're sneaking out onto the golf course at night. You're using the pool when it's caddy day for the whole 15 minutes they got to use it. You're sneaking out behind the snack bar. You're sneaking into the guest quarters. You would not be out in broad daylight, sitting in the middle of the golf course, having lunch. And frolicking. They spent way too much time on that scene. You needed to cut out of there much earlier before those sprinklers went off. Go on. No course over the summertime would ever be that busy. It just wouldn't be. You would have been fired every single time you did one of these things. I couldn't get past being distracted by the fact that they were never, other than getting written up in Fulton's pad of fun, (laughs) they were never disciplined. They weren't sent home. They weren't suspended. They never really got in any sort of trouble. No. This would not be allowed, and it wouldn't be tolerated. I mean, I get for Troy where he's kind of untouchable because he's got yes. Sharpay's protection, but, like, yeah, they, they owed Gabby nothing. Yeah. The whole addressing the members by Mr., Mrs., and Miss, that is probably the most accurate thing about this golf course, about this country club. Other than the club manager having a mental breakdown and Troy, a club employee, screaming in the kitchen because I have done both of those things. (laughs) Other than that, most of what happens here is completely inaccurate and totally unrealistic to the point where, call me bias, I can't get into this movie. I can't, and it's a shame, because the cast chemistry, it's just as strong as it was in the first movie, if not better. No, and I do like what they kind of started doing with Ryan's story arc, where he's trying to break out and be independent of Sharpay, and actually recognizing that, like, these are my classmates, they're not these little underlings, and that he starts to get along with them. I think the only good thing that came out of this movie, other than some of the music, is that storyline. Yeah, but then, see, it is still a little bit disjointed because, you know, we talked about it in the last episode, how they, as much as um, the actor, Lucas um, Griebel. Griebel, wanted to make his character LGBT and Disney didn't want to mess with that. Um, in this one, he kind of starts putting the moves on Gabriella when she's having problems with Troy. And I was like, you know, you had the potential in the first one to do such a great thing. And, you know, especially with how big this movie got, they could have done something really positive with that character. And, okay, you shied away from it, but now we're doing a complete 180 in the second one. But was he really putting a move on her? Or was he just trying to fit in somewhere? Maybe. I mean, that's that's plausible. But it kind of seemed like... Uh, and, I mean, Gabrielle could have... I keep doing that. Gabriella could have been using him just as much because she's spending time with him and Troy's not around. Can we get to what is the most distracting part of this movie for me personally 
because my notes go on for over a page on literally one scene in the movie. The golf scene. Did I mention I worked in private clubs? What I didn't mention was I played on the high school golf team. I almost made the junior PGA Tour. Golf is something that I do often. It is one of my favorite hobbies. So again, call me bias as you, as you wish, but I do need to call attention to how wrong almost everything in this scene is. Starting with the fact that, as I pointed out to you, without any sort of real formal training, neither Troy nor Chad would just become caddies. I understand that this is what Sharpay wants, but this isn't how it works. It just isn't. When Fulton tells them they're going to caddy and get $40 a bag, and they get so excited about that, $40 a bag when you're a caddy in any climate, much less in Albuquerque, New Mexico, at a club called Lava Springs in the summertime, is blood money. It's blood money. That's hardly a good tip. Most of these guys are making over $100 to carry a putter. Not even the entire bag. Just the putter. Why do they make so much money? Because you'd be in the fairway, or at least on the fringe, spotting the ball. That's part of your job, is keeping an eye on their drives. You would not be standing in the tee box with them. A tee box that you drove golf carts on, that you landed a helicopter on. I forgot about that. Why does he have his driver with him on the helicopter? I don't know. One thing that bothers me in every movie where there's a golf scene, because they all do it. They're all guilty of it. When you say four, (laughs) that is to imply that a ball has left its trajectory, or at least its course that you meant to set it on, and somebody is now in danger. But you see it all the time. Four and swing the golf club. It it basically means duck. You do not say say four before you swing a golf club. You would know this because your husband owned slash designed slash whatever the golf course. I thought your head was going to explode when it got to that point. Do you have any idea how much money it costs to build and maintain tee boxes and greens? two of the most expensive, if not the most expensive thing on the golf course. There's a reason people spend so much money to be in these clubs. You would not drive a golf cart on the green. Again, you would know this because you somehow made a living in designing or owning or whatever it is that you have vested in this golf course. I should not have watched this movie two or three times and still have that question, by the way. Because I'm still confused as to what your role is. He's like Chandler Bing. Nobody really knows what he does. His golf bag looks like something that came out of a garage sale. (laughs) And you would not have four people tee off at the same time from the same tee box. Gender equality aside, there are men's tees. There are ladies' tees. There are senior tees. There are tournament tees. You don't go from the same tee box. Pars and handicaps and adjustments are done based upon your position at the start of the drive. You would not go from the same tee box at the same time. You would also not be allowed ever to wear a hat in the clubhouse, much less at the dinner table. 
Are you talking about Ryan's hat? Yep. The fedora? Yep. Or the news. The, the news only cap. thing accurate that came out of this was Zach Efron's golf swing. Because his golf swing is fantastic. It's incredibly smooth. He must actually play. Yeah, because Dirty Grandpa, he, he plays, plays in as there well. too. But I feel like even if it was a subpar swing, your man crush would override that. No, if it were a subpar swing, it's the one thing that drives me crazy about sports films when it is blatantly clear that the actor has never played or has had insufficient training in how to swing a baseball bat or a golf club. Because in a lot of sports movies, it looks really bad. Efron knew what he was doing. The actresses in A League of Their Own knew what they were doing. The actors in Miracle knew what they were doing. Even the kids in Mighty Ducks yeah. knew what they were doing. While we're airing grievances, I have one. Uh, in the beginning, when Troy gives Gabriella the necklace, very sweet gesture. It's a T. Why would you let a man brand you like that? I couldn't figure out why. I, it was less about being branded and more about if you're going to get somebody a gift, why did you gift them your initial? If you're going to give them something that is yours, it's your hoodie. It's your letterman jacket. In this case, your wildcat, wildcat something, yeah. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. How about a heart? How about, uh, you know, you do that, I, I guess, maybe it's passable, like, if you're getting married and you get the last name initial, but T for Troy, come on. I mean, I understand why he needed the job. He needed to pay for the necklace. It won't be a problem because clearly there are no child labor laws in the state of New Mexico. <laughs> because these kids work day and night. Yeah, they're easily doing 12-hour swings. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, so let's see. What else do I have here? <laughs> oh, we haven't, I mean, you, you've gone for the realism, but we haven't even began to touch the wind machines yet. Well, we haven't gotten into that because we haven't gotten into the songs, though. Though I do have, see, I think that's it. Most of my notes moving forward are really on the songs. I will say, I think that the sets, the sets are okay, no kitchen would ever look like that, not at a club. Um, but that's, okay, now see, I'm not trying to defend it, but that's where you have to take a little bit of liberty for the film. Think about the musical number they did in there. You know, they're they're using the pots and pans and to I did create like music. Yeah, you have to make it function as a set for a musical where they can, you know, maneuver and and use them as instruments. How about the logo patches for the club on every polo shirt that they wore, but very few of them matched? Like, they were in uniform when they were in the kitchen. Outside of that, they were all wearing different shirts with those patches that you could tell were, like, sewn on a shirt that they got at Target. Yeah. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um... Yeah, I mean the the sets were passable, but I think my my bigger issue with it is and and this plays kind of more into the musical aspect too is that like yes, New Mexico is beautiful, and I think they actually still shot in Utah for this. Regardless, this is not a Bon Jovi music video. I've seen him do this before. It works for him. Like why are why are we posing with mountains behind us? Because it's New Mexico. If that's the landscape, that's the landscape. But I'm saying it. that's why it, it seems like they chose to build the story around that instead of doing a good story. I think we've established the fact that they built the story around everything that they should. But the story. So, everything but the story. <laughs> yeah. They built it around everything they should not have built a story on. Do you want to move on to the music? Sure. All right. Starting with the first song, what time is it? This ended up being a big radio hit for them. I think it went to number six on the Billboard Hot 100. And it's kind of fun. I can see it is a fun summer song. The kids are noticeably better dancers here. Yes. 
100%. Not that they were that bad, but like you can tell they're all a little bit more comfortable in front of the camera. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens specifically stood out to me because she she's putting her own spin on things. Like in the first one, it looks like she's trying to, to follow choreography. In this one, she's definitely got a little bit more of her own style, her own flair. You know, she's she's like pointing her hands more. She's you know, got a little bit more personality in her face where she's getting into it. Definitely a big improvement there. And Efron actually got to sing in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not that he was a bad singer. It's not that he had to do any kind of vocal training. It's just that they thought his voice was too deep, which, again, is ridiculous because it's not like a year has passed where, like, you know, if, if we were talking about a freshman in high school versus a senior, like, yeah, your voice is going to go through a lot of changes, but we're talking about maybe four months. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, we said it the last time, he was the breakout star of this film, and rightfully so, because he's crazy talented. So I'm glad that he got to, you know, show another aspect of his range, especially because, you know, he goes on to do Greatest Showman, and he was wonderful in that. Right. Then we get to the club, and we see Fulton, and all I can think when I see him is, Gloria! <laughs> yes, that is uh, Donald from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, who shows up in the camper. Mm-hmm. And he has the, uh, he, he's got the breath mint spray, and he sprays it and he misses his mouth because it's not like we saw Jim Carrey do that, oh, I don't know, 22 or 23 years earlier. Oh, wait, no. Huh. It was even less than that. Oh, about 15 years earlier in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Yeah, there there were so many other quirks that they could have given him. I wish he would have been a little bit more neurotic. Yes. He wasn't enough. Like, he should have been a little bit jumpier around all of them. He has the speech towards the end, and, you know, they, they do kind of give us the payoff because it's like, why are you putting up with this? Because I have a mortgage and a house and a this and a that. But, like, yeah, to see that come out in some kind of physical tick would have been very funny. Because you spend your entire summer dealing with the fabulous Sharpay. Fabulous is the next song on the soundtrack. It fits Sharpay, but it has to be one of the most annoying songs I've ever heard. I think they were trying to go a little bit too Britney Spears with it. Not even that Britney Spears was singing like spoiled brat songs like that at the time, but you know what it actually reminded me of aesthetically? Like it reminded me of a Katy Perry video. So I would have appreciated something where it was like a bit more fun. Not that the song's not upbeat, but like it just would have been nice to see like that, you know, Candyland world that Katy Perry creates in a music video. It was almost as if Kesha sobered up and showed up in a <laughs> Katy Perry music <laughs> video because she's not even singing. She's doing lots of talking and it all sounds like this. Yes, and then there's that upper inflection on the end of it. Oh my God, it's Kesha. And it's a shame because I had said last week that I thought that Ashley Tisdale was very talented. I'm not saying that she isn't. My opinion didn't change. But now, remember when I said that her songs sounded too poppy? Too, and I think you had said Britney Spears, and that was a great comparison. She seemed too pop artist to be a theater geek. Right. Well, you got completely away from the theater thing to make her even more of a pop artist than she seemed in the first movie. That's what I was saying. Like she went from drama queen to diva and we do see why she's a spoiled brat because she's so entitled. But yeah, it, it, it's kind of a, dis, a disjointed jump that they made with her. And for, for a movie that was supposed to be like a vehicle for Sharpay, I think it set back the character and the actress. Absolutely. The continuity in the entire number is terrible because in certain shots, the sun is setting. In other shots, it's midday. No, and her, um, her, her cover-up sometimes, it's down off the shoulder. Sometimes it's up, it's fallen, it's not. It's, it, the, yeah, awful continuity. They learn nothing from the first one. We're not even going to get into her terrible fall 
or her over-the-top reaction when she fell into that pool because it's worse than cringeworthy. I just wanted to, like, crawl into a hole and not come out. I'm also pretty sure that when Gabriella dives in to save her that they used a stunt double for Vanessa Hudgens. Yeah. Because that looks like a bad cut. I understand why Sharpay is the way that she is, though, because her mother says to her, you worry too much, uh, and you're going to get frown <laughs> give lines. give you frown lines, yeah. So it's like, okay, I get it. Little throwaway lines like that would have been fine to further define the character, and it would have been passable if you didn't put the character on rewind. Yeah. Work this out. Great earworm. Relatable for everyone. The song goes both ways in that we can work this out in terms of we're going to work out the summer, we're going to work out our schedule, we're going to work out our drama, we're going to work out having to be with Sharpay, we're going to work out having to be in this miserable club, although it's really more of a resort as much for us as it is for the members and it doesn't make any sense. It's not a bad song. I do like the drumming on the pots and pans. What I didn't like is the fact that I felt like at times they were getting sort of lazy with the rhyming. At one point, I believe it was Zeke, talks about, I'm going to get tickets to see the Knicks and Sixers. Yes. A team from New York playing a team from Philadelphia. You live in New Mexico. You can't even go to like L.A. to catch that, that match. So I, I didn't really understand that. Yeah. And then I feel like the whole song kind of teeter totters because, you know, obviously Troy is trying to rally his friends around him and get them motivated. But like some of them start to join in with him and then somebody else is like, nah. And then and then they're all against him. So, I mean, by the end of the song, he gets everybody. But it's like the way that they step in and out, you know, pick a sign Pick a side. Once you jump over the line, like stick with him. You are the music in me is the next song. It's got a great harmony. It's got great lyrics, but it almost seems like it should have been the finale song. Like it would like it would have worked as an ensemble thing. Like if they all like if, if they had ended the talent show, which also makes no sense. If they would have ended the talent show singing that. I feel like that would have been a better ending than what we had. It sort of just seemed odd to me that they jammed it in the middle of the film. This this song works for the movie, does not work for where they used it in the film. Right, and I get that you want to give Troy and Gabriella that number again, but like you still had it at the end because that was the thing. She surprised him when he thought he was going back to, to bail Sharpay out. So you still would have had the moment. The next song, I'm just going to shorten it the way that Ryan shortens it and call it Huma Huma. Because it actually does have this long Huma Huma. Poo, poo, poo. It is the most ridiculous thing I have seen on film. And I don't understand why it's here. Yeah, I, I don't understand where it came from. It makes no sense. Zac Efron's reaction, that look on his face, that's not acting. I don't think they told him what he was walking <laughs> into, and I think they just caught his authentic reaction. I mean, as a Hawaiian luau number, I like that it told a story because that's like culture, culturally accurate. I would expect to see that at a luau. But, like, where are you drawing? How do we go from a song like Fabulous, where we just compared you to Kesha, to this? It's not like the family recently vacationed in Hawaii. I would have, that would have been an acceptable throwaway line for me. I, I would have bought into that. But, like, where does this come from? Like, you're in high school where, I, I mean, I guess because Ryan is supposed to be an, Maybe that's what they did a, a poor job of fleshing out because Ryan is supposed to be more like artistically inclined and he's supposed to be a little bit more, uh, you know, 
well-rounded than Sharpay is. She just wants to do her Sharpay thing. He actually studies theater. He knows, you know, different musical styles. So maybe that's where, and especially because he's the one who's championing this song for the talent show. So maybe this was all his doing, but still it, it's Why? Jarring. Just because we have rocks in a pool, we did a luau? It's no. jarring. Yeah. Totally. It could have been anything. What'd you think of her fish talk? Oh, my God. Kesha. I, I think Kesha now when how I about, see Sharpay in this movie. How about just when you thought Sharpay and Ryan's relationship is not <laughs> as awkward as it was in the first film. She talks about stroking each gill. Yet Ryan still wants to do this number and star in it with his sister who's going to stroke his gills. Oh, you picked up on that, huh? Yikes. It's so awkward. So awkward. And if you think that that doesn't make sense, you didn't hear or watch the song, I Don't Dance. Oh, my God. Yes, you do, Chad. Yes, you do. You're doing it right now. It's in the title of the song. This was something that we talked about on the last episode that drove me crazy in status quo, where they're all talking about like their hidden hobbies. And you're talking about, you know, like the girl who wanted to do hip hop dancing and she was the brainiac. And I was like, hip hop is too close. Everybody's you know, dancing in this song. So why why is that something that you're like afraid to come out with? This was the exact same thing and they learned nothing from one film to the next where you're talking about not doing the exact thing that you are doing. Baseball is not the same thing as dancing. It does sound like a boy band is singing it that's the thing. A lot of these songs sound old. They all sound like things from the 90s. Well, it was supposed to. I mean, it was supposed to be a vehicle for your Timberlake, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. The first movie. Right. But they, they, they're still doing it in the second movie. The music, the actual instrumentals in Fabulous, you know what they sound like? You remember when you went to, like, Party City and you got... Drew's party tapes or like a now no not even now now was the actual artist oh that's right it was no oh, kids bop is what I'm thinking of kids bop that's what yes. all of these yeah, sound yeah, like yeah, to yeah, me. yeah 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 they're also playing baseball on a softball field but of all the things that no, I have problems with here <laughs> but you're absolutely right and and Corbin Blue is probably the best dancer out of the entire cast so to have him saying I don't da- clearly you do yeah. Then you get the music in me reprise where Zach Efron tells Ashley Tisdale that he's new to the performing thing. We did it twice in the last movie. Yeah. And and that's what bothers me so much about this too is that he was like, "Nah, singing is a one-time thing. Singing is a one-time thing." I thought that that's you know, it, it's almost as much of a regression as Sharpay because that was the whole thing was that, yes, you were doing this because you had a crush on a girl, but like you also wanted to. If it was just about the girl, you wouldn't have almost thrown away your entire basketball career to pursue this thing. And, you know, here you are so worried about what college you're getting into and your future. If this is one more thing that's going to make you well-rounded, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. I will say that the two of them sounded pretty good together in this reprise, but there's, there's just so much about all of this that's a, that this does not make sense to me. I'm new to the performing thing. Well, you had no problem grabbing the mic and dancing with the mic stand and dancing with her. You seem very natural in this. Why do you seem natural? Because you did this twice in the last movie. Yeah. And you've broke it out into song no less than three times up to this point anyway. And you were also okay doing it when it was Kelsey's song with Gabby. Right. So Which I understand he's he doesn't want to He doesn't do want to come out and say, no, Sharpay, it was okay to do with my girlfriend. Because that's it. She's got him over a barrel. Right. We're not losing sight of this. 
It's just that everything that they did to try and weave a story around that is wrong and falls flat. No, and you've set back characters because of it. I will give the song a little bit of credit, though, because it works just as well as it does bet- as a ballad between the two of them as it does when it's like this amped up pop song. Yes. Gotta go my own way. This was Gabby's solo here where she's basi- kind of duetty, kind of duetty, and she's sort of telling Troy off. It sounds like a radio hit. Honestly, this is probably my favorite song in the movie because she sounds great on it. But yeah, I could see anybody singing this on the radio, like a Katy Perry, a Selena Gomez, even though I don't think Selena Gomez can sing very well. But like Demi Lovato, I could see any of them singing it. And I kind of wish she would have had that moment, like a radio hit out of this. I think she deserved it. I think she killed this song. I think she knocked it out of the park. And that's the thing. We're talking about characters regressing. This was actually something that really pushed her forward. Um, I think it was, you know, the emotion between the two of them was pretty real. Because I think at this point they were dating um, in real life. Um, No, but I I think Vanessa Hudgens really killed it in this number. The only thing that kind of makes the whole thing come crashing down at the end is that, like... She doesn't even storm off. She just walks away. But then she's got to go get her ride from her mommy. And you see the minivan pull up and it completely discredits everything that she just did. Yeah, visually, it uh, it kind of waters it down. Like, just let her walk back through the clubhouse. We can assume that she got a ride home, but I didn't need to see the car pull up. Yeah. Bet on it. That sounds like another boy band tune, but I think Efron did a really good job there. It's another earworm. Kids got some moves. They shot on that golf course for six days to get it. And what is the takeaway? That dreadful reflection in the water. Oh, God. Well, my takeaway is that Bon Jovi, you're not, sir. So stop trying. But yeah, the the CGI is terrible. And I don't know where all these... I mean, he's a great dancer, but the moves kind of remind me of Michael Jackson. And I think at this point, we should have been staying away from things like that. I guess. But it, he, but he didn't look bad. He didn't... He, it didn't look like... I mean, he pulled it off. I'll, I'll give it this. The sun was setting the entire time. It was consistent. So they got that at least, mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't know. No, I, I think you were trying to make something that wasn't there. Oh, let's talk about another glaring plot hole. To put an end to Ryan and the Wildcats performing in the show, Sharpay tells Fulton, no staff allowed. But Troy's allowed. Oh, but he's an honorary member at this point. Yeah. Don't forget. How did he become? How did? How do you become an honorary member of the club? Because he got Italian leather shoes. Don't you remember? Oh yeah, we heard about that about a dozen times. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, that's what gets you in as a member. But evidently, the staff ends up performing anyway, and they sing. Well, it's not they. It's Troy and Gabby sing every day. It's another nice duet. This is a song that has grown up. We talked about in the last film how you wanted them to give Mencken a shot, give him a little bit more juice, a little bit more bravado. Yep, this had it. And the gusto, this had it. This song had it. But I do think that Music in Me would have been a good... A better song because they're getting back together at that point. And you probably could have flip-flopped them, too, because the whole thing is Gabriella. She said, I've never been in one place the whole summer. Uh, I just want to focus on right now. So I think every day could have worked earlier on in the film. You really could have swapped them out. The wind machine. Yeah. Now let's talk about it. Because they used it on the golf course, too, on Bet On It. But to me, it wasn't as deliberate as it was here because at least you're on a golf course. Yeah. It's a Lynx course. There are no trees. It was overdone, but passable. Not nearly as bad as it was here. No, especially... I half expected Efron to turn around 
and like give somebody the eye and it would be like Zeke with a you know with a leaf blower. Yeah. <laughs> and that would have been funny if they made a joke out of the whole thing because it was so overused. I was like are are they are they going to make a joke out of it or are they going to really lean into it where he like rips the buttons of his shirt open? I'm th- I, now I'm really thinking Michael Jackson like in the uh what is it? Man in the mirror? Yes. <laughs> yes. But, like, it's to a point where Vanessa Hudgens' hair is completely all over the place. Like, she can't even perform because her hair's in her way. Dial it back a little bit. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I like the twist on Sharpay at the end where she gives Ryan the trophy. That's nice. And then they sing All for One. But, okay, we've got Sharpay doing the character growth thing again, obviously, by recognizing her brother. I mean, I complete. I've seen the third one. I forget what it's about. I couldn't even tell you right now. We're gonna find out next week. But like, are we gonna see her set back again? That was what. That was my big question. Are we gonna see her regress again? Because you really can't do that. Right. Because now we've come so far, even farther than than they took her in the first film. Here's the thing. Obviously, these movies, they can't be American Pie. For so many reasons. Right. But at the root of it, American Pie addressed adolescence well. It addressed the drama of your relationships with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your buddies, all the pressures of being an adolescent, going to college, having a job, balancing your life, your parents, at the root of American Pie, if you get past the raunchiness, which is what the movies are famous for, because they were shocking when they came out. The film's got heart. That's what makes it so great. And that's what I was hoping I was going to get here, especially when you finish the movie on a song called All for One. Yeah. And I've heard that song before. I've heard it on the radio. So I didn't know it came from this movie. Now it makes sense. But that's why you can't regress in the third movie. You really couldn't do it in this movie because you ended the last movie on All in This Together. Right. No, and especially, too, I think Sharpay's big character moment is not only when she gives her brother the trophy, but before that even, when she lets Troy go. And when he decides to sing, um, she says, I only wish you were doing this for me. So she kind of realizes that she's never going to get the guy. Yeah. Well, in conclusion for me, I feel that in terms of technical errors, I'm not talking about the script. I'm not talking about the dialogue. I'm talking about the editing and the continuity. While this one has its problems, it seems like it has less errors than the first one did in totality, yet somehow this is the worst movie. Well, why is that? Because it seems like every song was written to be a radio hit because they were more concerned with selling the soundtrack. Right. And that's not to say that the songs are bad. They're not bad other than fabulous and huma 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 huma. <laughs> But some of them just don't fit where they are in in the film. I think that this was a sequel for the sake of a sequel. This is why people laugh every time Disney does a sequel. Because they just assume this is what it's going to be. Cash grab. Right. And this entire thing is totally unrealistic. Yeah, I mean... There's hardly anything forgivable about the plot. You have no story. This was all about the music, like you said. And um, that's the thing. It's kind of like, it's even insulting the kids' intelligence. Like, I understand that these are geared at kids. And with the phenomenon that was that movie, you want to give them another one, fine, sure, whatever. But, like, even though it's kids, you can't insult their intelligence like that. In 54 episodes of Monoreal Radio, for me... This is the worst film we've ever seen. And we watched The Black Cauldron. 
Yeah, the Black Cauldron at least tried. The Black Cauldron had mistakes, but it had a story. The problem is that in terms of the animation, it was a mess. The dialogue was a mess. Some of the characters were a mess. But there was a story to the Black Cauldron. I don't know what the story is here. No, and that that's something that I can never forgive. We're interested to know what you guys have to say about it. You can let us know on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio. News this week, a big D23 announcement. No, it is not another country in Epcot. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with Figment. No, it doesn't have to do with exclusive merchandise. Not that we know of, at least. To know Disney at all is to know that when they do any sort of special event, it means limited edition merchandise. And we're going to spend the money on it, right? Absolutely. And I think this is the first of many announcements for Disney 50. Yep. So this is the Disney Archives celebrating their 50th anniversary, and they're calling it Disney Archives Preserving the Magic. It's going to kick off March 7th, 2020 at the Bowers Museum in Santa Ana, California. It's then going to hit the road and come to a city near you. Cities are still TBD. They haven't announced it yet. But this is a big D23 event. And we know from having gone out to California just how much effort they put into these exhibits and just how impressive they really are. Right. We got to tour the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, which was amazing. Part of that was getting to walk in Walt's office. Um, and that is going to be one of the things that's on display here, kind of. Not his exact office, but it will be the set of Walt's office from Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, this exhibit is also going to uh, feature some production art from movies, um, some uh, costumes and uh, maquettes from Peter Pan, Frozen, and a lot more. Yeah, so it's, they say. it's exciting because if you're a D23 Gold member, and you should be, really... You're going to get discounted tickets to this event, plus they're going to get preview nights. So there is a chance that you'll get to see it in your city before anybody else does. And Jackie and I can preach the D23 Gold membership until we're blue in the face. But really, if you're a big Disney fan, especially if you want to go out and see the Disney Studios or see this exhibit, we would highly recommend that you sign up for the membership. And if you'd like to see this in any form, before it comes to your city, maybe you'd like to take a tour of the Disney studio. And while you're out there, you can go check out Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure and Downtown Disney and all of the resorts. Jackie can actually help you with that. Yes, we can get everything done in one shot in one trip, whether it's Disneyland, uh, Walt Disney World in Florida, Olani, the cruise line. Uh, there's so much happening at Disney in the next couple of years. Um, I, if you're thinking of planning a trip, I would definitely get on it as soon as possible. Uh, you can reach out to me directly through our social media at Monoreal Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can shoot me an email at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com for a free quote. Yes, and don't forget to join us next week where we review High School Musical 3, Senior Year. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.